J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. The J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm Jonathan Hobbs. And I'm John Chafee. And I'm Johnny Radcliffe, and we are here for part three of the Tony Campolo interview. Uh, It's been an amazing ride, uh, and we would love to hear your thoughts of what you thought about uh, what he had to say. Uh, A couple ways you can do that. You can reach out to us, j3youthministry at gmail.com. Youth men. What? J3 youth men. We couldn't afford the extra letters. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And... And also on Twitter, uh, which is actually J3 Youth Men. Uh, and I must confess, earlier I fed bad information. It is not ministry. It is youth men. It's not ministry. It's men. It's men. It's not, so... You literally just said, it's not ministry. It's youth men. He just said yeah, that sentence. Yeah. That's as a great. Sound bite, as a sound clip, that would be bad. That's going to be the intro from now on. <laughs> it's not ministry. Guys, stop picking on me. Gosh. All right. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, so in this final interview, we actually were just so uh, just moved by the end of it and, and his prayer that uh, at the conclusion of his prayer is the conclusion of the podcast. Uh, So why don't we just jump in, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Campolo. Youth director listening that's never read any of your books uh, is only going to read one. Do you have one to tell them? I think the book I would say to the extremely sophisticated person, there's two books actually. Okay. For the sophisticated, it would be A Reasonable Faith. Okay. In which I put together my experiences while teaching at the University of Pennsylvania trying to answer the question, how do you talk to somebody in an Ivy League university about Jesus? Uh, A reasonable faith. A book that is for ordinary people like me would be a a book called The Kingdom of God is a Party. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, basically, it talks about the celebratory nature of Christianity. I, I I always bring people to my home church, which is in Philadelphia, where I'm associate pastor. Well, Carmel Baptist Church. It's an African-American church. It's a, everybody there is African-American except for me. I'm the white token. It's a big church. <laughs> everybody I take there, the service goes on for two hours. They all say, you know, I could have sat here for another two hours. I said, why? It was fun. It was just fun mm-hmm. to be here. That's there was great. joy in the singing. People were hugging and dancing. and <laughs> It was just a great place to be. I've never been with such joyful, enthusiastic people in my life. In a real sense, the church has to recover that kind of uh, excitement. I think the mm-hmm. reason why the charismatic movement is growing so fast around the world is because whether you're Pentecostal, charismatic, whatever you are, if you go to their churches, you've got to admit, they're fun. They're fun. Yeah. There's, yeah. Something, yeah, there's something going on there, you know. Uh, so uh, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's that kind of thing. And to talk about how that plays into Scripture, when Jesus uh, talked about his kingdom, okay, Jesus, when your kingdom comes on earth, as it is in heaven, we ask you to do that every Sunday when we say the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth. When the kingdom does come, when you return and make things as they should be, what will it be like? And his answer was this. He said, 
It will be like a gigantic wedding feast. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus was Jewish, which is the next best thing to being Italian. Right. You know. (laughs) Agreed. You know. But Italians and Jews and Arabs and Greeks and Turks, we all have one thing in common, we Mediterranean people. We know how to throw wedding feasts. There you go. We mortgage the house. We hire the band. (laughs) We bring in piles of food. There's all kinds of heavy drink. And we dance and we sing and we carry on till 3 o'clock in the morning when everybody collapses. And Jesus says, that's what my kingdom's going to be like. It's going to be like a wedding feast. And that's why I titled the book, The Kingdom of God is a Party. Uh, For instance, I take up the passage in... uh, in Deuteronomy, which describes uh, what, what tithing. Sooner or later, it's Stewardship Sunday. The preacher preaches on tithing. But he never tells the whole story. He only tells part of the story. He takes those quotes from Deuteronomy and from Leviticus. We were told we are to bring one-tenth of all that we have earned over the year and bring it to the temple and give it to the temple. You see, the Bible orders you to bring one-tenth of your income to the church. And we all say, oh, gee, I'm not doing that. I'd better start doing that. <laughs> so, but the, he doesn't tell the rest of the story. And the rest of the story is, and what is all this money supposed to be spent on? Every Jew comes to the temple bringing one-tenth of his wealth from the previous year. And what is it spent on? To put a new education wing onto the church? Is it spent on missionaries? Is it uh, spent on on sending, uh, you know, what is it spent on? Here's what it's spent on. Read the scriptures. I think it's the 12th chapter of Deuteronomy. It's spent on music, on dancing, which is hard for we Baptists to handle, man. <laughs> dancing, uh, there shall be steps. drinking, and just to say, yes, but it's not going to be. And it adds strong drink. <laughs> I mean, they're not messing around in the Bible. And please... Can you imagine what it must have been like in Jerusalem when once a year the entire population of the country would come together in one place, spend 10% of the gross national product on one gigantic <laughs> one party? party. Yep. No wonder kids said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to go to church if it was right. one gigantic celebration such as described in Scripture? That's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. So I have a question that since you have been in ministry for such a long time and we're, we're <laughs> young bucks by comparison. That, I like that. Thank you. Yeah. Young buck? Yeah. Yeah? Well, just being called young. It doesn't happen often. So oh, getting okay. Out there. I'm a little <laughs> interested to see, maybe even from a sociological perspective, what are some of the differences that you see between the generations? between doing youth ministry maybe 30, 40 years ago versus what's happening today? I think that the um, age in which I grew up loved the young life model, you know, where you got all these kids Mm -hmm. together and there was a lot of excitement and you played games and everybody was super cool. Uh, That model is beginning to fade. It's not working as well as it used to be, able to Mm -hmm. entice kids. Ernest Becker, in a a classical book, uh, Denial of Death, Mm. has this line in there that's worth the price of the book. This is not a religious book, incidentally. It's written by a neo-Freudian, neo-Marxist. Okay. When will the church realize that youth was made for heroism and not for pleasure? 
Heavy line. Oh. Are we trying to entertain the kids? If we give them enough pleasure, will they become Christians? I got news for you. Whatever you can do, the high school will do better. You run a dance, they'll run a better dance. Sure, you take the kids true. on a trip to Disneyland, they'll take you to world to, out to the West Coast. I mean, the churches that seem to have learned something from all of this is to say to the kids, "Listen, come on, join our youth group. We're going to be going to uh, we're going to be going to Haiti to work among the poorest of the poor of this desperate country. Hmm. Do you want to come with us? We're going to work alongside of young people." In Haiti, we're going to probably uh, try to get some clean drinking water for them. We're going to build a house with Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. We're going to build a school. We're going to do something. Go into the inner city. We're going to work uh, among the homeless at Eastern University, which I'm promoting every chance I get because <laughs> I, I want your young people to I haven't to come. noticed. Yeah, As you well, should. <laughs> at Eastern, uh, the most vital Christians are members of what we call uh, the Yacht Club. I used to be a part of that. Yeah, the Yacht Club. Uh-huh. Youth uh-huh. Of, against... Uh, Complacency well, and homelessness today. Yeah. Hey. You know, because mothers would go, are you into any activities there at school? And you don't want to say, we're working with the homeless in Philadelphia. So they'll say, oh, that's so dangerous. <laughs> no, I'm part of the Yacht Club. Every middle class mother <laughs> is thrilled. And she, oh, oh, there's a Yacht Jane, Club. Jane is meeting the right people, uh, rubbing <laughs> shoulders with the kind of people I would like to have in my own. And the kids working among the homeless. If one day a week uh, you joined the Yacht Club at Eastern and went into the city and just ministered to people on the streets of the city for an afternoon or an evening, Mm -hmm. uh, taking care of them, uh, giving them food, uh, talking to them, uh, it'll transform them. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a concept in sociology. It's called praxis, P-R-A-X-I-S, praxis. It comes from all of all places from Karl Marx who says to all of us in the church, don't you realize that people are more changed by what they do than by what they hear? Let me repeat that. They are more impressed and more changed by what they do than what they hear. So if we accept that as a valid postulate, I would say this, let's get the kids to do things that Jesus would have them do. Mm -hmm. That will, in fact make them more Christian than anything that we can say to them. It's interesting to note how Jesus made disciples out of his followers. We get this idea very often in seminary that Jesus recruited 12 guys for three years. He did nothing but teach them and mentor them and disciple them, and then he sent them out. Not so. Read the book of Luke. Read the book of Matthew. He recruits them. And two days later, he says, okay, I'm sending you out two by two, yep. and you're to go out and tell people about the kingdom of God. And uh, uh, they said, uh, we don't know what to say. He said, don't worry about what to the say. The Spirit will tell you. That's right. In that moment, <laughs> right. words will come to you. Yeah. Uh, but he sends them out, and he gets them involved in evangelism. I was led to Christ when I was in high school, and I was led to Christ on a Saturday night. The following Saturday night, I went to the same Bible gathering, and afterwards, me and two of the kids who had led me to Christ went out on the street corner and preached. He mm. said, but you were only saved for one week. What did you talk about a week later? I told the people on the street corner what happened to me the previous Saturday night. I just shared with them how this mm-hmm. had changed my life. I want to tell you, preaching 
makes me a Christian. I don't preach simply to get people to become Christians. I preach in order to stay Christian uh. because I am more impacted by what I say than any of my listeners. Uh, this is the reality. <laughs> you know that. Have you ever tried to tell somebody off really ang- with anger? When you finished, the other person's just kind of blowing it off, and you're still shaking. <laughs> Obviously, right. mm-hmm. you were more upset with what you had to say than the person that you were aiming the words at. <laughs> we so are true. impacted by what we say and what we do. So you got to get your kids to say and do what Jesus would have them say and do. Right. To be evangelists on the street corner, to do things for the poor and the oppressed. And the more they are involved in this action, the more they themselves will be changed. Sure. So I guess my next follow-up is has to do with being a professor. Yeah. So at least in the realm of teaching the next generation to be Christians, I, I've heard it put um, that sometimes we prefer to do the transmission of information model. Yeah. Tra- just transmit the information. That's all that they need. But you just verbalized the transformation model, oh, yeah. not the transmission. Like... We need to create atmospheres and experiences that they can be transformed by because, as you had said, that's more impacting. I don't want to diminish the importance of teaching and preaching. Of course. The scripture says it is through the foolishness of preaching. It actually says, I know you sound like an idiot, (laughs) but nevertheless, it has its effect. Uh, But I think that what you have to do as a youth leader is you have to be able to inspire. It gets back to where we started. Stories inspire people. Mm. You've got to inspire them but you've got to inspire them to act. Over the years at Eastern, and I'm an old guy now and can't do what I once did, I spent my time organizing my students to go into third world countries, to go into the inner city, and Eastern for a long period, and it's lost a lot of that as of late. I want you to spend your time working among the poor, Mm -hmm. running programs during the summer. I would pack kids up, we'd drive into the city and run after school programs, programs all day Saturday, working among the poor, I not only uh, was saying things, I was mobilizing my students to do things. And what they were doing had as much to do with teaching them as what I had to say to them. For what I had to say to them only had meaning in the context of the action. Praxis Mm -hmm. is not just action. It's action and then reflection. Action and reflection. Mm -hmm. We do certain things and we come back and we say, well, you were talking to homeless people. What did they tell you? What did you learn from them? How many of them did you think were just schizophrenic? Because a lot of them are, do you Mm -hmm. see? Be honest. What did you learn? What's going on in the city? What's going on among these people? Uh, And why are they the way they are? Why are they drug addicts? Mm -hmm. And you say, well, drug addicts cannot be changed. Well, there's a group that's highly Pentecostal called Teen Challenge. And they are into Pentecostalism. Say anything you want about the charismatic movement. If you've heard these guys at, at Teen Challenge give their testimonies, mm-hmm. they were transformed. And you learn from these experiences of being with them. And so I, I, I always think it's reflection, action, action, reflection, back reflection, forth. action, back and forth. Mm-hmm. I call it a serendipity pattern of investigation. <laughs> I feel like that's a really good tattoo. That's a, <laughs> yeah. That's a great. That's a great line, though. Yeah. It's important to teach the next generation to reflect theologically on their own lives. That's right. But it's it has like, to be in the context of action. Absolutely. What does this mean? Mm. We did these things. What did you learn from that? Mm-hmm. And what did they teach you? 
when I take kids to places like Haiti or the Dominican Republic, I always say your primary responsibility is to listen and to learn from the indigenous uh. people. That's more important than anything you have to say to them. Because only when you listen to them and take them seriously will they be open to listening to what you have to say. Mm-hmm. In some sense, a lot of those types of trips, we can call them mission trips, but they might also be under the umbrella of these are discipleship trips. Exactly. Absolutely. I know of one youth minister who organized his whole youth ministry in this large Lutheran church mm. around taking his youth group, 12 at the time, to the Dominican Republic or Haiti, work for a week and a half, and then come home, have the discussion go, another group would go, and he'd run these people through time and time again. And then in the inner sit, and uh, this constant engagement was the transformative process by which these young people Mm. were able to reflect. Doctrine Mm. has to be attached to reality. And that reality is, I've seen this people. I mentioned Teen Challenge. Right. You can so talk good. all you want about if any man is, is in Christ, he's a new creation. When you go down there to Teen Challenge and see them working with drug addicts in the hills of Santo Domingo, man, they see lives transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is no longer just a doctrine or an idea. This is something that is actualized. Whoa, I got to unpackage this. Mm-hmm. I saw things happen. Uh, I mean, it'll, it'll shake their roots of your being and make you into a new person. So I, I'd love to finish uh, just by saying that uh, Tony Campolo, I have personally been affected by your ministry and I have watched people be personally affected by your ministry. And you, you probably get told this all the time, but I'm using this opportunity to say that I know that people's lives have been changed because of your faithfulness to Jesus Christ and preaching his word. Uh, I have watched, you know, people I don't know, sometimes as many as thousands go forward at creation festival Mm -hmm. when you uh, just preach the gospel and in an invitation, uh, my own students included in those numbers. And so I personally just want to say thank you for being a faithful servant. And I, I know people that know people that know people. I mean, I think of things like Urban Promise, yeah. um, the, the, the ministry in Haiti. You have had an effect all over the world. Uh, and so um, thank you well, very much. Thank you. And uh, I'm going back into the classroom next year. Oh, I great. I just felt Are that I, I needed to get back to students on a regular basis. Wow. So send your kids to Eastern so I can <laughs> radicalize them. Yeah, you radicalize I'll, them. I'll turn yes. them into Shane Claiborne's get for some, you. Get some praxis right. going okay. on. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you, if you would, almost as like a benediction, could you pray for, uh, really, it's, it's the youth leaders listening to this, uh, and just a, a blessing upon them, uh, and just that the Spirit would, would yeah. just empower them and invade them. Lord, I pray this that you will inspire them, that you will nurture them, that you will keep them from discouragement, that you will pick them up when they're down and bring them down when they're up too high. I pray that they will see that their greatest responsibility is to challenge every young person that comes his or her way to become totally committed to you and to the work of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen.